we want to begin with prayer. Praying for all the sick and the shut-in and all of the bereaved and anybody that is going through anything in their lives. And that God would touch and send healing and deliverance, send change, send, 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 send breakthrough in your life. That you would feel that impact. That you would have or experience that supernatural power of God that causes change and effect in your life. Let us go to the throne of grace. Father, we thank you right now. Thank you, Lord, for being the Lord. Thank you for being the Almighty. Thank you for being El Shaddai. Thank you for being Jehovah Nisi. Thank you for being Jehovah Shammah. Thank you for being Jehovah Rapha. Thank you for being the El Elyon. Thank you, Lord, for all the above. Thank you for being omniscience, the omnipresence, and the omnipotent. Father, we thank you right now. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for what you've done and what you're doing right now. And thank you, Lord, that you have the patience with having long-suffering of putting up with us, dealing with us with all the decisions that we make for our own sake. And Father, when we're disobedient and when we're hard-hearted and stiff-necked and when we won't listen and you're still there to give us a chance, all because of your love, all because of your grace, and all because of your mercy. Father, this world, your people, your creation, Father, they are balling around in a circle, lost and confused, blinded by the things of this world, by the influence of Satan and his tactics and his deceptions. Father, we pray that you would touch, that you would open that blinding eyes of those that are lost, that are in darkness, even though they, to themselves, it look like they may be going in the right way. But Father, they don't realize that they're walking blind and they're about to stumble and fall in the ditch. Even if they haven't failed, they are about to fall and there are some has already fallen. Father, we thank you right now. We ask that you would touch today by the guidance and the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you right, right now for all things and everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, and everything that you're going to do. Father, there are listeners out there, Father, that they've been going to church. Father, they've just been attending church. They've just been committed to the program. And Father, they may hear a word today that they don't want to just be committed to the functions and the functionality of church and then just going to the program or just attending church. But Father, they're looking for a real change, looking for a real impact, looking for a real move of your spirit, your power, oh God, in their lives. Touch right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We declare and we decree it, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, that the ears that hear your voice right now through my voice, Father, I pray right now that you would use me, work through me, Father. You say what I would have, that you would have me to say, not me saying what I want to say. Father, Father, let me set aside my way of living or giving or talking and walking and let you guide me and direct me by your Holy Spirit. As well as today, Father, through my voice, Father, that they will hear your voice through my voice and not my voice. And Father, they will pay attention to what you're saying and they will have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say unto those and to the church. Father, thank you right now in the name of Jesus 
Father, we give you glory. We give you thanksgiving. Father, we're praying for our young people, our young men, Father. We want to send a special prayer to our young men, our young teenage boys. Father, it's growing up to be young men if they live long enough. Father, that this spirit, Father, of hatred and bitterness and rage and anger that they have, Father, and causing them to destroy one another. Father, we ask that you would touch. Father, we ask that you would hover over them right now in the name of Jesus by your spirit. Father, reach and touch their heart, their mind. Father, and have them to hear a word from you, Father, to turn around from their wicked way, Father, and not be prideful and arrogant. Father, that they would recognize your voice and your spirit, that it would come in and take over, Father, and stop them, Father. Bring them to a halt, Father, from destroying one another. Father, all the murderings and killings, the rage, Father, the shootings, Father, Father, they need help. They need some guidance, need some direction right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we praise you. We give you glory. <coughs> we give you thanksgiving, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. And our young women, our young girls, our daughters, Father, touch them today, Father. Open up their eyes, Father. Help them to grow up, Father, if they have children to become real mothers, not somebody, Father, that have brought children in the world and that step back and cause neglect. They don't understand when they walk away and throw the children aside and put the children off on somebody else. That's neglect. And, Father, you said it in your word that anybody that does anything or any harm to the little ones, to the children, they're going to have to pay for it. Father, right now, even in, even in unintentionally doing so, when they don't even realize, Father, open up their eyes. Help them to be taught, Father. Help them to give ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. And, Father, let them know, stop talking so much. Stop running their mouth that they may have ears to listen and have the power and the spirit of obedience, Father, to be guided and directed. Father, they're falling away by the wayside because they're hard-hearted and stiff-necked and won't listen, Father, and think they got life figured out as well as our young men think they got it all figured out. But they're lost. They're in darkness. Father, touch right now in the name of Jesus. Father, go in all of the facilities where there's health care needed, Father, where there's deliverance needed, where there's healing needed, Father, where there's your spirit needed, Father, where miracles are needed in the lives of your people, the elderly, the middle-aged, and the young. Father, touch right now and help the doctors to understand. They don't know it all. Without your guidance and direction, they can't do anything. Father, let them turn to you. Realize that you are the one that guides them, that gives them the wisdom, the knowledge, and the know-how to do what they do. Father, let them humble themselves and come to you and realize the only way that they can help the people is when they be, be obedient to you and give you the glory, give you the thanksgiving, and give you the praise. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. In Jesus' name, we say amen. 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 And amen. We thank the Lord this morning. We thank him for all he's done. We thank him for what he's doing. We thank him for what he's going to do. We love the Lord, and we give praise to the Lord. We thank him for the thing that he has done in our lives. We thank him for the thing that he's going to do in our lives. And we just magnify the name of the Lord Jesus. We give him praise. We give him the glory. 
we give him the thanksgiving. We give him the magnification to be lifted up. And we just want to glorify his name today as we make ready to give heed to God's word on this morning. First, we want to give God some glory. We want to magnify. We want to lift up his name. We want to praise him. We want to usher you into the spirit of the Lord. Well, you may be receptive of God's word. Well, we can understand that God is waiting on us to come to him with our hearts, with our minds, with everything that we got. We thank you. Hallelujah. Heaven just a breath away. Lord, we thank you right now. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> Angels are right there. Holding up the merciful. Lord, have mercy. We thank you. We thank you right now. We just want to usher into the spirit of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise this morning. See, it's time to call on Jesus. Call on him. It's everything that you face. The only way that you can make it is call on his name. Call on his name. Call on his name. Hallelujah. Well, yes, that little small voice. It'll free you. It's just a breath away. Angels are always all around us waiting. Holding up. Keeping us safe. Giving us chance. Giving us opportunity. <laughs> Lord, we sure thank you this morning. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you right now. Ooh, hold on to Jesus. While you're standing there looking. He's right there waiting on you. He's waiting on you to call on him right now. He's coming back someday. He's coming back someday. Oh, yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would he come for his own? Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're just a breath away. Angels all around you waiting to be there, to be your shield of protection, to be your guide and direction. Oh, by the direction of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you this morning. Hey, hey hallelujah. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. We praise you this morning. Oh, we lift you up. We thank you. Thank you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done and all you're doing right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your angels. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. 
Every time we open our eye, that's another chance. That's another chance. That's another chance. We thank God this morning. Amen. Thank him. Thank him. We thank him. Good God Almighty. Good morning. Praise the Lord. We're ready to break the bread of life into your life on today. Turn in your Bibles in the book of Matthew, I believe. No? Yes. Matthew. Hallelujah. Chapter 10. Amen. Chapter 10, and we're going to deal with a verse there, but I want to step over the verse in chapter 11 for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In chapter 11 of Matthew, we want to read this verse of scripture to you in your hearing as we declare this word in your life and ours as well. It is to commission you to come to him. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28, he says this. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Anybody that's weighed down, beat down, torn down, worn down, he says, come to him. You see, we as human beings, we have been trying to fix our problems ourselves. Psychologists been trying to figure out the answer and the solution to all of our problems. They try every type of medication that they can come up with to fix our problems. All kinds of sickness that we're dealing with today that we're having to go through today, they're trying to give us all of the drugs that they can come up with, but they can figure out how to utilize to fix our problems. But what we don't get and we don't understand is none of the medication that they give us or give you or that they are prescribing for us is not going to do it. The medicine that you take orally through your mouth to in just inside of you to help you with whatever physical pains and mental issues, or even if you have too much energy, too hyped up or whichever cause it may be, we have to understand that the only way that we're going to get some ease, the only way that we're going to get some rest, the only way that we're going to get some relief is we're going to have to come to Jesus. We're going to have to come to Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, where you're going, where you're being, no matter what country you're in, no matter what state you're in, no matter what city you're in, no matter what rural area that you live in, I don't care if you're in Alaska, the tip of the iceberg to the lowest of the equator. 
Doesn't matter where you are in this world, if you're a human being, you will not, you cannot, and you shall not be able to make it without Jesus. He's all that are weary. <clears throat> Anybody that's worried, burdened down, and got situations and all kinds of things that they're going through. He's asking us, excuse me, <clears throat> he's asking us to come to him. Come to him why we're able, why we have our sound minds, and that we can talk to him, and that we can understand where our answers lie. Hallelujah. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened. I just want to say that, read this again. Heavily burdened. Even in this sense, and this is what I've been talking about, like, and I'm going to get more into the depths after I finish reading scripture here. But come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened, even by religious rituals that provide no peace. This is what I've been talking about. See, religious rituals, rituals will not provide peace just a church attendance or committing to the program or the functionality of the church. And I will give you rest. So now this rest that I want to give you is refreshing your souls with salvation. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In other words, following me as my disciples. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. That means you will find renewal, blessed, and quietness for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. He's calling on us. He's given us an opportunity. Anytime this request is being made known, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for the things that we deal with, the things that we're going through, that we can feel assured that we don't have to try to deal with it alone. And that we don't have to try to go through it alone all by ourselves. But here's what we want to talk to you about today with that added to this. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, here, hallelujah, where he begins to give the 12 disciples instructions for service here. But 10 and 34 says this, I want to key here. 10 and 34 said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. But a sword. I'm going to pause there before I finish that. I, I'm going to bag up a, a verse from that. Amen. Verse 32. He says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my father in heaven. I am talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit that it's going to come to do in your life. This is why the word is, it's important that it be ministered to you according to God's word and his spirit. He is already mentioned here that he didn't just come for everybody looking for him to give them plentiful gifts 
and perform miracles, but he brought a sword, which is his word. And in order to understand that, you will have to go to Hebrews chapter 11, and you would understand that God's word is powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing down to the dividing of asunder of the soul and the spirit and the intents of the heart. And so, in other words, today I'm talking about conviction, if you want to know. Conviction, if the word of God is not preached or spoken in a convincing or convicting way, you will never change your life. And so, when, when I read that, when you're weary, when you're weighed down, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to remind you and to help you to recognize that you cannot do this on your own. You're not able to handle any of this on your own. But as he gives the disciples instruction as to go about their way to minister to people before he leaves, he's going to send them a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, that is going to do the convicting. God's word is going to do the convicting. He says in the 35th verse of Matthew and 10, he said, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemy will be the members of his own household. This simply means when the truth is being spoken, when you stand up for the gospel, the true truth of the word of the living God, you're going to have some enemies. And those enemies may just start right in the house where you are in your own home. Which means what I just read before that, if any man disown him or don't believe God or don't recognize God, Jesus, for who he is, then he's going to disown him as well. So it adds up to where when the word, this is why I mentioned last week about this commitment and about uh, the things that people are doing and the people that are ministering and say that they've been called by the Lord. And if they're not preaching a convincing or convicting word that would allow people to know that they need to change their life. What is it to just go to church every Sunday and still remain the same? What is it? What is it to even turn me on, turn this radio on, this broadcast and listen to it and just say, I enjoy your message, but there's no change that's happening in your life. I know that the word of God that's coming through me is convicting and convincing, but you might not even want to adhere to it because you're not willing or ready or wanting to change. You're comfortable where you are, but in your comfortableness where you are, you have problems that you can't control or you can't even handle. You have addictions that have overthrown you and not even realize that you are in darkness and that you are lost and that you've been deceived by the influence of the adversary. But I am here to bring life by the word of God that you might have life more abundantly if you believe him, trust him, and hear his word and allow his word to convince and to convict you. Hallelujah. You see, I've said it before. It's not enough, and I'm saying it. I may be saying it over and over and over again because I'm trying to get this point across to help you to understand it's not good enough. It's not just enough just to say I've gone to church or I'm a member of a church or I'm a just attending church. It's time that you realize that you need a true change in your life. Somebody around here or listening to me in this world today, wherever they may be listening to this, maybe by podcast or by the radio 
right now, or whatever it is that they're listening to this message, that they find and that they cannot make it alone, but they fail to realize they have to come to Jesus. He have already said to come unto me that all that are burdened and weary, that I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Why is it that you keep complaining every day and constantly going to the doctors for answers and not getting the answer, but getting a little pat on the back or just getting a little temporary fix that don't last long at all? And once you continue to go along with the contemporary fix, then it finds up and winds up causing you to become addicted to whatever it is that he's prescribing for you. And now it adds another problem to your life. You see, when you start to do thing that's not according to the word of the living God. It's just like the medication that you take. You see, when you start to do things your own way, you have five, six, seven other side effects that you have in life. So when you put God's word off hold or on hold or don't even listen or disband it and they go through one ear and come out of the other, then you just added five, six other side effects to your life. When you're disobedient to God's word, then you will not realize or won't recognize that you are a sinner, that you are lost, that you're in darkness, and that you need help from the living God. Hallelujah. And the only way that you're going to get help from God is like St. John said in the beginning, what the word, the word was with God, and the word is God. How can God lie when he and his word are one in the same? He cannot do it. The Bible tells me that the Lord said that my word shall never pass away, but before it pass away, heaven and earth will pass away. Hallelujah. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty. Let me slow it down here. But I'm trying to convince you that the things that you're going through in life and not acknowledging God in doing so, you're going to always have some problems. And the other thing that you must understand, as long as you live in this fleshly nature of a body, you're going to always have some problems. You're going to always have pain. You're going to always have sickness. You're going to always have illnesses. You're going to always have certain things. But Jesus said this, but when these things are happening, now if you want rest, if you want to take the weight off of your shoulder, he said, come to me. He says, come to me. And he's begging and he's asking everybody right now that's hearing me right now. And though that may be in the stores and the message may be being played or wherever it may be listening to this, he's asking you, I don't, it's not about who you are, where you are, what position you're holding in church, where you are, whether you're missionary, pastor, preacher. We're talking about some real repentance time here. We're talking about some real glorification of the name of the Lord Jesus. Because one thing I do understand, everybody in the world got some kind of weight, some kind of a problem some kind of a burden that's on their shoulders. You might have gone out last night. You might have had your drink. You might have did your partying. But when all of that fades away, you might have even had your drugs or your alcohol. It may have taken you to a high point at a level in your life, make you feel good for a moment. But when you come off of that high, and even if you're sick and you may have taken your medicine, and it may have put you to sleep or made you rest well. But when you wake up and when you come out of the drug under the influence of it, and then come back 
down the reality, guess what? Your problem is still standing right before you, right in front of your eyes. When are you going to realize, when are you going to recognize that it's time to repent daily in your life and ask God for forgiveness of your sins and ask him to help you and give you guidance by the Holy Spirit. People want to be healed. You want to see miraculous power working. You're going to have to call on the name of Jesus. You see, I'm not just satisfied with just attending church. People that's going to the regular basis in this town and in the how many of you have witnessed the real move of God, the real miraculous work of God, the real hand of God change somebody's life? Change somebody's life. Change somebody's life. How many have ever witnessed somebody that God had moved? It moved to the point where that they were healed right before your very eyes. How many have experienced that? These things are for real. These things will happen. These things can happen. But they're only going to happen when we usher the spirit and the presence of the Lord in our lives. In our lives. In our lives. In our lives. You see, I don't know about you, but I need to see the real miracle hand of God working. The real hand of God working because that's what's going to increase our faith, our trust and belief in him. You see, God's word said, I didn't just come. This is what he told him. I didn't just come so you can just enjoy seeing me. I came to bring something to you. I came to do two things. I, I came to relieve you of something, and yet I came to give you something, to show you something. You see, Jesus performed all those miracles in the Old Testament and all those times and in the New Testament and in the time that he came, he walked and he lived here, that to prove that God is God. God is God in the heavens, in the Old Testament, by his spirit and anointing moving upon men. And God is God when he came into flesh as Jesus in a human body and walked among men and proved a miracle that he performed even in the Red Sea, even at the time in the Old Testament. He even came when he came here and lived and walked as a human being and performed miracles right before their very eyes. And we, in this dispensation of time, we didn't get the luxury of seeing Jesus personally hand to hand or eye and see these miracles performed. But yet, yet, God still performs. Jesus still performs these miracles today. Don't you want to recognize? Don't you want to see a real miracle happen in your life? Aren't you tired of going the same way? You think you're going the right way, but you're going the wrong way. Hallelujah. You think you're all right because some of the things in your life are being met. But you fail to realize this is what he told the disciples. That when you go about to carry out my command, this is what's going to change life. In John chapter 16 and verse 8, let me start at verse 7. In St. John chapter 16 and verse 7, he said, but I tell you the truth, it is to you, to your advantage that I go away. This is what he's telling disciples. For I do not, if I do not go away, the helper, which is the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him and the Holy Spirit. That's who he's talking about. The Holy Spirit 
will come to you to be in close fellowship with you. He'll come to you. And when he comes, this is what's going to happen when he comes. And when he comes, he will convict the world. Watch this. He will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Can't you see that right there? This is what the word that I'm preaching to you today. This is God's word that's ministering to you today. He said, I come to tell the world that they are guilty. And you said, well, in your mind and theologically and the intellectuals are probably saying, you know, well, if that's so, then why would Jesus say he died for all of our sins and they've been forgiven? No, Jesus died for the sin that we've forgiven so that we would have a path and a choice to the chance to free to the freedom of life from sin. I mean, we have to make the choice and the decision. He's not going to do it for us. He's only came to be the blood sacrifice, so it would be the washing away of the sin. So when we call on the name of Jesus, and when we repent and ask him for forgiveness, then that's when he can wash away the sin. And when we're baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin in Acts 38, 238, that we will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then that Holy Spirit is going to come and reside inside of you and work with you and convict you and convince you of things that are not of God and the things that are of God and the things and how you might be guided and directed. You see, this is why we've had this formidable of this badment or argument or, or misunderstanding about baptism, which people fail to understand. Now, I just read a verse of scripture right here where he told the disciples that if I do not leave and go, I cannot send back you the comforter. Now, when people were understanding being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, John even clarified that this is only baptism of repentance. This is not, this does not represent death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here, Jesus rectified the situation by telling the disciples, in order for me to send you the comforter, I've got to leave here. In other words, he had to die. He had to become the sacrificial lamb so he could rise again and send back the comforter to anybody who desired. And at this time, it was the disciples so they could go about the world and minister and preach and be commissioned to tell this gospel of all, all over the world. There's no need to argue about it. It's biblically plain and it's correct. And so the only thing that comes to baptism that recognize real baptism, that recognize Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection is Acts 2.38. And when Peter asked those people these things, they, did, they was already believers, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. You say, well, why are you talking about the Holy Spirit? Because I'm talking about it to this point where God said, what Jesus said it right here. He said, and when he comes, it will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment. And see, when the Holy Spirit convicts an unbeliever, a sinner disbelieved that haven't gone through the conversion, it, it brings awareness to them about their sinful nature. But when someone that's been walking with God and got a relationship with him, and with, if they've fallen into sin, it comes to cause him to come to repentance and confess and acknowledge the sin and that they, that they might renew their relationship with God. That's how it's done. 
And all of these places and things that have been going through all this and arguing and coming up with all these different names about what is what, let's just get in the Bible and stick to what the Bible said and stick to what Jesus is saying right now. Hallelujah. And he said, and when he comes, yeah, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world. He will convict the world. That's that sword that Jesus said in, in chapter in John. I mean, hallelujah. In Matthew 10, when he said that he didn't come, he came to bring a sword. That's what he said in Matthew 10. He came to bring a sword. So I'm going to take you back to it. I'm going to bring it back to you because I want you to see God were working. He said it here in 10 and 32 down to 34. He said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge also him before my father in heaven. For whoever disowned me before men, I will disown him before my father in heaven. That means here to you all, say that you're atheist, say that you don't believe, say that you don't trust God. This is your answer right here. If you continue that way, this is your answer. What will happen to you right here? He said it. I didn't say it. He said it. Whoever acknowledges me, whoever recognizes who I am, then I recognize him. It's if they don't, then I disown him. I disown him. I don't know him. He'll tell you, I made you, but I don't know you. Hallelujah. I made you, but I don't know you. He said, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. See, this wasn't the time that he came to bring peace. This was the time that he come to bring a sword. That's his word. That's his spirit. That's his presence. Jesus' presence, his words and everything convicted people when he came before them. Yes, he did. It convicted him. And when you attend services, and the word does not convict you. The word comes from convincing you to convince you that Jesus is Lord. The Bible have already proclaimed there's no other name under heaven. No, no other name. Why are we trying to keep putting another name in the way? There is no other name. Why we keep trying to tell people something totally different when there is no other name? Why we keep trying to declare to people that they can live any kind of way and they'll be all right when they leave here? No, you will not. You cannot live a sinful, a hellacious life any kind of way you want. And then in the end, expect somebody to perform your obituary, your, your, your eulogy while you're dead and put you in heaven. It will not work. It won't work that way. And you think you can take somebody's life, young people, and you think yours going to be better? It's not going to get any better. You don't want nobody to take your life. Why you want to take someone else's? That's anybody. Policemen, patrolmen, whoever, whoever are these officials, non-officials, whoever it is that want to take somebody's life, what make you think you, your life is better than someone else and you want to take someone else's life? You don't want nobody to take your life. You see, this is why the Lord said to love ye one another like you love yourself. This is why America and the world is having this problem because it's not loving one another like they should. 
Y'all love it like they should. Going back to St. John 16 and 8, and he, when he comes, he will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need of a Savior. That's what we are today. That's what we are today. Guilty of sin. Sinful practices, sinful living, sinful lifestyles. And we're in need for a Savior. Now, he's not going to come like he did before and perform the miracle because when he come again, he's going to be coming in his final, final move, his finality of his picking up the ones that believe him and taking them back. And if you're not in that, you're not in that group, you're going to be left out. And so I'm trying to give you fair warning today. Not about, not about what membership you have, where you're going. It's not what it's about. Your membership needs to be with Jesus. And so he says, the world will be guilt, convicted with the guilt of sin by the Holy Spirit about righteousness and about judgment. Verse 9 saying about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message. See that? Because you don't believe. Verse 10 says about righteousness and personal integrity and godly character because I am going to my father and you will no longer see me. Verse 11, about judgment, the certainty of it because the ruler of this world, Satan, the ruler of this world, Satan, that means the darkness of this world has been judged and condemned. Already been judged and condemned. He's already lost. And so what the adversary is trying to do, he wants some others to go with him. He already lost the battle. He knows that. He knows he's lost. And so what he's doing right now, and we're allowing him to do this by not believing in God, not believing Jesus. And then we'll allow him to do this when those of us that are responsible, responsible for the service of God and ministering this word, and if we don't do this properly, properly, tell people the truth. Tell people what the Bible says, not what you think, what the Bible says. According and by the Holy Spirit, it's the only way that's going to break yokes. The only way that's going to tear down these defenses. It's the only way they're going to tear down this hatred. The only way they're going to tear down this bitterness. The only way. The only way that it's going to move forward and what we need done in our lives. We're not going to buy our way out of this mess. We can sign all of the treaties and all of the agreements you want. That's not going to get us out of this mess. And all of the killing and all of the hatred and the racism and all of the murderings and all of the raping and all the addictions and all of the mental illnesses and all of the sickness and all of the pain and all of the diseases. and All, that's not gonna, all, of, all of the little uh, the drugs and whatever, whatever antidote we come up with and all of that and medicine, that we come, that's not going to get us out of this mess. Not going to get us out. 
Can't you see those of you that are having to attend dialysis and all that for your kidney? You see, that's temporary. That's God allowing man to build something to give you a chance. That's another miracle wondering power in a way that in this modern time that you don't even realize that God is giving you a chance to get it together and get it right. He's giving you time. He's giving you time. He's giving all of us time. Every time you open your eyes, every time you wake up, this is why I call this chance. Chance. A chance, an opportunity to get it right. Get what? To, to establish a relationship, not religion, not religious rituals, but a relationship with him. I understand in the old days what they meant by old time religion, but I got to take it to a whole nother level. I'm sorry, old pioneers, but I got to take it to a whole nother level. I don't want just an old time religion. I want a real relationship with Jesus. I want a real relationship where he operates inside of me by his Holy Spirit, where he guides me with his Holy Spirit, where he covers me with his Holy Spirit, where he loves on me with his Holy Spirit, where he teaches me with his Holy Spirit, where he heals me with his Holy Spirit, that he directs me with his Holy Spirit, that he opened my eyes and give me godly wisdom by his Holy Spirit. That's what I need. I don't need regular agenda. I don't need just regular showing up of attendance to the program. Not against the program, but it's got to be bigger than the program. It's got to be bigger. The focus, the motive has to be that I'm going to service. I'm going to the house of God to find Jesus, to seek him in my heart. To build and to establish a true and real relationship. And here's what he says in John chapter 16 and 12 on down. He says this here. He said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear it. <laughs> you cannot bear them now. You can't hear them now, he says. He said, but when the when he, this is what he says. He said, when he, when he, Lord have mercy. When he, when he, <laughs> the spirit of truth comes. That's why I said that over and over again. When he, the spirit of truth comes. Lord have mercy. The spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. See, that's the whole truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the father, the message regarding the son. And he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. This is where he will lead you. This is where he will guide you. If you are willing to listen to him. If you're willing to listen to him. And I've just touched just the basis of this. 
But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. In other words, he'll speak by the guidance of the power of the Father, which is already the spirit. So in other words, he's just letting them know the spirit doesn't operate by itself. It's operated by a higher power, and that's the spirit of God, which is the higher power. But Jesus was recognizing this because he was in the flesh. And the flesh was speaking and, and, and recognizing the spirit and acknowledging what the spirit would do. And he was acknowledging this to the disciples so that they would know upon their commission to go out to preach this gospel into all the world that they're going to have to have some help. That they're going to have to have some guidance. And that they're going to have to have some direction. And then they're going to have to have power to be able to overcome the things that when they come, that people are not going to want to believe them, not going to want to hate, uh, 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 believe them and trust them, but they will hate on them, on them. Just as today, people don't want to hear the truth, but as long as you just sing or, or praise and, and give things that make people feel good, feel all right. Oh, we had good church. No, we don't want to just have good church. We want to have deliverance in church. We want to have healing in church. We want to have breakthrough in church. We want to have change in church. We want to have miracles in church. You want to feel good? Have a party. Hallelujah. That's what you do anyhow. But when you want to change, you got to go where you're uncomfortable. You got to hear what's uncomfortable to your ears. When you go to the doctor, you don't want to hear him give you the bad news. But the only way that's going to correct you with what your situation is, is you got to have the whole truth. The whole truth. And if he lies to you and then something happens, you're going to be mad and upset because he didn't tell you the truth. But see, God is not like that. Jesus is not like that. They are not. He is not going to lie to you. He is going to give you the absolute truth, the whole truth, the complete truth. Don't you understand? When they put you in court and get you on the stand, what they ask you to do? Tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So why can't we preach that? Why can't we preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Stop trying to get our own opinions in it and just go by what the direction of the scripture says. Give the people the fullness of the gospel. The full truth. The whole truth. My God, my God, we thank you, Lord. Because, see, he will glorify and honor me. That's what the Holy Spirit would do. That's what he says in verse 14. He said, he will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. And the last verse he says in the 15th verse, he says, all things that the Father has are mine. Because of this, I said that he, the Spirit, will take from what is mine and will reveal it to you. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will come and make you uncomfortable because of your flesh. Because it will point out the things that are not of God that is in your fleshly nature. And if you are following after those things and the desires of your flesh, then when you hear the whole truth of the gospel, of the word, of the truth, and living God, if you hear that, then you're going to be uncomfortable. 
You know why? Because that's conviction. Conviction comes to convince you of the trueness of God's word. That's what we want you to know. We're not done with this, but this is all we got for you today. We're praying that this word would change you, change your mind and change you the way, change the way you think and change the way you live. If you change the way you think, you can change the way you live. You have a choice. Because Romans 12 and 2, be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, that acceptable will of God. Father God, we thank you right now. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessing. I know your word has gone forth, and I know it pierced somebody's heart and life. And if it did, that's a good thing. It may not feel good, but that is a good thing. They will recognize you and acknowledge you so that you can feel them and guide them by your Holy Spirit and keep them and cover them through all the things in the days of their lives. We thank you right now, Father. Bless this ministry, Father, like you're already doing more so than ever before. Father, we give you praise. We give you the glory. We give you the thanksgiving. We honor you right now that you would touch the lives and the hearers that are listening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the peace of God be with you and heaven smile upon you. God bless you. Selah. You've been listening to the broadcast of Focus to Change Ministries. Please join Good morning, good morning, and good morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank God for another day, a beautiful day, a blessed day that he has made. Let us all be thankful. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning. Praise the Lord to everyone that is listening to have that us all. Got the radios on this morning and ready to hear a word to give God some praise, to lift up his name and give him some thanksgiving on this morning. We thank the Lord today for another day, a wonderful day, a beautiful day, a beautiful day that he has made. We just want to be thankful and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Praise the Lord. I say again and again. And we thank God for this chance and opportunity to come before you, come to you, wherever you may be listening to us at in this and on this radio station. Amen. We just thank God for him this morning. We just want to bring a word this morning to convince you, convict you by the word of God that whatever it is brings self-awareness unto you and um, give God the glory and give him the thanksgiving. Amen. 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 We just thank him and we just want to magnify him. In Jesus' name, yes, yes, yes. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. And we just want to magnify his holy name. We just thank him this morning. Amen. So before we get started, we want to pray with you, pray for you, pray for those that are lost, confused, mixed up, misunderstanding things, maybe, maybe just troubled by some things, maybe troubled by whatever they're dealing with. They may be faced with issues in life, maybe faced with drug addiction, maybe faced with the lost loved one. 
and we just thank God today for another day. We just want to give him glory and give him the thanksgiving. We worship him today because he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be magnified. He's worthy to be lifted up. You ought to want to lift him up today. You ought to want to thank him that he's allowed you to see this day, to give you a chance and to give you an opportunity, an opportunity and a chance for eternal life. Each and every one of us has that opportunity, but we have to come to him humble, like a child, recognizing and realizing that we can't do anything by ourselves. We must recognize and understand we're not doing anything on our own. We're not doing anything right now. It's all because of his grace, his love and mercy that we are able to be here, that we still have a chance and opportunity on this earth. So we just want to give him glory and give him praise this morning. Let us go to the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you right now. We thank you, Lord, for another chance, another opportunity. We thank you how you brought us through, you woke us up. You're giving us another chance right now. Every day, Father, you allow us to breathe. That's another opportunity, another chance to thank you, another chance to glorify your holy name. Father, I don't know what else you can do for us if we don't appreciate your love right now. We should just appreciate you for what you've already done and what you're doing right now. Appreciate you for the life that you've given us every day with the activity of our limbs. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for all things, all things you've done and all things you're doing and all things that you're going to do. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Father. Touch the one that may be confused and may be lost, maybe have lost faith and don't believe, don't trust anymore. And Father, maybe their situation, their predicament or Whatever it is that they're in right now, whatever they're dealing with right now, it may be affecting their faith. It may be having them to not believe, have disbelief, not trust you, not lean and depend on you. But Father, we ask that a word be spoken today by you, by your Holy Spirit, through me, Father, that you would give life, and life more abundantly, not just this regular life, but life after death, Father, eternal life eternal salvation. We praise you. We lift you up. We thank you right now. We give you the glory and we give you the thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Don't you want to worship him this morning? Don't you want to worship the Lord? Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him thanksgiving. Give him, give him some glory today. Thank you, Jesus. Don't you want to worship him today? Worship him this morning. Magnify his name. Glorify his name. Thank him for all he's done. Thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for what he's going to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the time that you've given us right now. You've given us life, this life, 
And you've even promised to give us life eternal if we choose. It's up to us that we choose you, Jesus. Help us to choose you today. Help us, Lord. Help us to acknowledge you on today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We glorify you, Lord. We lift you up. We praise you. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. We praise you forevermore. Amen, 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 and amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We thank God for this chance and this opportunity. We thank him for those that you are tuning in to listen, to hear for a word. Amen. So we're praying that there is a word for you today, which I believe there is. Amen. In your Bible this morning, we want to go to St. John chapter 16. Chapter 16, I believe. We recap this particular verse. Amen. And that I've previously been talking about conviction. And I want to continue a little bit on that conviction today. But in St. John chapter 16 and verse, verse 8 is where I want to begin and establishes the ground that I'm speaking on today, that we're speaking to your life abundance. And the Bible reads, says, and he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior about righteousness and about judgment and about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message. This is where we are today. We in a confused territory of not believing within ourselves. We're causing self-destruction to happen because of the disbelief because of the disobedience, because of the self-awareness that we should have, but we don't have. For the life that we live and the things that we practice, and the Lord is trying to turn us around. He's given us an opportunity, opportunity, excuse me, to turn around. And for some reason, the, the things of this world, the materialistic things, the pleasures, the fun, the activities of this life, this humanistic life, this natural, this carnal life of this fleshly nature has overtaken the humans of this life, human beings in this life. More concerned with enjoying life than looking for life eternal after this life. But here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says here, he says to his disciples, and before I read that, what I read to you in St. John 16 and 8 is what he was explaining to the disciples that his word came to, to convict the world of its sin, to alarm them of the nature that they have, that if they do not change, and if they die in that particular way of life is where a place that is set aside for those that are disobedient, hard-hearted, and stiff-necked, that will not endure sound doctrine. And Hebrew says this in chapter 12 again, verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles or beset. Entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith or finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because... The Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. The Lord is a, he is a jealous God. He is a justice God. He is a God that means what he says. And if his word does not have an effect on you when you hear it, in a sense to where that you find something somewhere wrong in your life, in your life that needs fixing or need changing or need correcting, then you have a problem. Church is not about going to have a good time. It's going to find what's wrong, what needed, or what need to be fixed in this old fleshly body. What needs to be changed? What needs to be worked on? And as long as we live in this old human, carnal-minded flesh that's of a sinful nature, we're going to have problems. We look around day to day. We, we see the news and we see the incidents that are happening around us. That in 2 Timothy chapter 3 mentions it. These things that what we're about, what we are seeing right now. What is happening? The murderings, the hate, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the rage that people have that is destroying one another. And God simply gave a command how it is that we should live and how that we should serve him. Is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything you got, and love your neighbor, love your brother, love people like you love yourself. How can we say that we are exemplifying love for one another when we see the tragedy, the chaos that is happening in the world today, the rage, the hate, the bitterness, the pain. And most of what we are seeing today because of the rage, the hate, the bitterness, the pain come from pain. The retaliation, the revenge is coming from pain. I uh, believe that the Killings and even with young men, young women, officials, police officials, and all type of officials or anybody in any authority or any position 
The thing that I happen to, there's some rage on the inside for some reason that's been held down for a long time. And it's been held and it's been bound inside that people are snapping. They are blowing up. They're going off no matter what. They've gotten to a point to where as if you say one little simple thing that they dislike or offend them and with the weapons that Man had created and now he's made it very easy to be able to get to or to obtain. Hallelujah. And now they're taking those weapons and they're utilizing it and they're taking each other's lives or others' lives, however it ends. I witnessed on the news one day that there was such a shooting young boys outside of a store a service station. One come out the store and the other ones get out of getting out of the car and shooting. Just began shooting at him, and he began shooting back. And another car pulled up and he jumped out and he's shooting at the one that was shooting at the one that came out the store. And then another one jumped out the other side and shooting at the one that shooting at the one that came out the store that was shooting at the one. And they didn't know what they were doing. They wasn't handling the weapon correctly, and they were just ducking their heads and holding the gun up and just firing their weapons all kinds of ways, not worrying or concerned about where the bullets might stray and hit anybody. They were just concerned to try to hit the one right before them. For what? What's the meaning of all this hatred, young men? What's the meaning of all this bitterness, this rage that you have on the inside? A lot of it is because I mentioned this before. We don't, they don't have a foundation anymore. Young people, young children, not being taught, not going to church, not being, being taught. Now, I'm not talking about just regular basic church, not going to church and being taught about holiness. The trueness of God. The truth about God, the realness of God, and what he means and what he says, and he stands on what he says. Been going through years and years of just going through the motion and just attending services and going through the functionality of the program and committing to the program and committing to the service, but not committing to Jesus. You see, there's a difference when you commit to Jesus and not just a program. When you commit to Jesus, you commit your life. You commit your life to a point of change and, and, and a new direction and understanding and a holy life that he had said that we should live by and, and, and by the spirit that he gives. This is what he told the disciples in order for you to be able to carry this gospel to, the, to, to commission, to, to spread this word, you're going to have to have a comforter. You're going to have to have a guide or you're going to have to have a teacher. You're going to have to have something to give you some strength, some stability to be able to stand against the adversary and his deception and the devices of the world of seduction and all of the things that are causing people to be lost right now right now. And now people have gotten so wrapped up into that way of life, this way of life, that they don't even want to hear the word of God anymore. They're not teaching the children the foundation. I doubt that many children even know what the commandments are, what they mean, or what the main two commandments are, what ten commandments are, and what they mean, what was the purpose of them, and why were they written, and what was the meaning of this? 
They just growing up being cut loose and we're wondering uh, or we're hoping that things should be all right and we're thinking that things ought to be all right. How can it be all right when everything is running wild and loose like a wildfire? Young children think they're grown already as two and three years old because they've been turned loose to do for themselves and they can't even figure out what to do. Parents have a responsibility, but they're not, they're not adhering to their responsibility. Young parents or older parents falling all about the wayside, all concerned about the life of the world and the things and the pleasure that they want to enjoy and the things to look good and look fashionable and all the all is vanity, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, and not turning around from their wicked way, from their sinful nature. We have a problem. We have a problem. We have a problem worse than COVID-19. We have a problem worse than the pandemic. And we are still going along as if it is okay. As if it's all right. As if it's fine. And we think that if we find these programs, these groups, and all this, this is the answer. Going to the doctor for whatever kind of medication, that this is the answer. And going to all of these rehab, this is the answer. They help, but they are not the answer. They are a start to the beginning of the process of finding out or admitting yourself and coming to the solution to the answer is Jesus. And we do, if we don't preach Jesus, they won't know about Jesus. If we don't teach Jesus, they don't understand Jesus. If we won't talk about Jesus, they won't receive Jesus. And in order to speak Jesus, in order to preach Jesus, you got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. You have to be converted and filled with the Holy Spirit and guided by His Spirit that you might be able to give these instructions and these directions to the one that are lost. This is what Jesus will let the disciples know. He says, it's important for me to leave. If I don't leave, you won't be able to gather up and do what I need you to do. You won't be able to do it. But again, let me back up a minute as I began to say our problem. Young men don't have their dads or their fathers in the home. If they are, they're separated, or if they're in the home, they may not be the natural or biological father. Then young people and young women are, are, are having children and not sure of who the dad is or who the father is or who it is because they're, 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 they're messing around so much and entangled with so many others of each other and so many people that they're lying down with. And then when they become pregnant, they're not sure who it is. And then they're not married, and it goes against every principle the Bible teaches and have no structure. And we're wondering, why they're growing up hating and mad and angry. No one is there, no foundation, no strength, no nothing to stand on. We have a problem. We have a real problem. We're worried about politics. We're worried about governors and all those things. But I, we, we should be worried about our communities, our home and society. Our children are destroying one another and we're not doing anything. All we can say is we need to do this. We get this program, get that. No, no program is going to fix it. Jesus is the answer to everything and all things that we have. But we have to turn to him. Have to turn to him. 
And we have to be obedient to his word, to what he said, and what he said in the Old Testament, all the way until now, into the New Testament, into this dispensation of time. But no, 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 no. We feel like it's old school. It's old way. We don't do that anymore. Let me tell you something about old school. If it wasn't old school, we wouldn't have a new school. If it wasn't old school, we wouldn't be here. If it wasn't history, we wouldn't know what we know. We wouldn't have what we have. We wouldn't be able to move forward the way we are moving right now. But here's what the word of God says in Hebrews 4 and 12. 4 and 12 says, the word of God. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. Here's the part where we're dealing with today. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing, here's what the Bible says. He says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Somebody going to have to pay. Somebody's going to have to pay. But all the society is concerned with is just going through the motion, going through the program, and going through the, 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 the regular routine, but not interested in change, not interested in progress, and progress can't happen unless change happens. Growth can't happen unless change happens. Our children, our young people won't happen unless change happens. And it begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus. It begins in his word, the true living word of God. St. John says this in chapter one, very common verse, very easy to understand. In St. John chapter one and verse one, he lets us know. Here's what he let us know. In the beginning, before all time, before anything ever happened, was the Word. Even Christ. You know why? When we put Christ in there, because he came through the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. The Word was. So this is why here in 4 and 12, it comes back to let us know. Come back to let us know, for God's word is living and active. 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 It's alive. It will come forth, and it will have an effect if you would allow it to do so. So here, when I go back, even in Hebrews chapter 4, when I began that verse 1, it says, 4 and 1, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found, fall, found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not value huh, or did not combine it with faith. Excuse me. 
Let me read that again. Let me read that clear and again here. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. With faith. With faith. God's word have to be combined with faith. You have to believe and trust that it's right. It's real. It's ready. And it's for our righteousness. And it's for us to live. If we desire to do so. If we decide to do, to do so. So what is it? What is it going to take for us to understand that God's word comes to change us if we would allow it to? If we would allow it to. In St. John, again, in chapter 1, verse 4, where I skipped down to verse 4, it says, In him was life, came by the word. And the power to bestow life, and the life was the light of men. The light of men. Our lives and believers' lives is supposed to be the salt of the earth and supposed to be a light to those that are in darkness. Salt is what has a tendency to change what's around it. Whatever it it, it enters. It changes its flavor, it changes its surround, it changes its taste. Hallelujah. God's word comes to change your life, to transform you to what he desired you to be and what he had planned for you to be in your life. He lets us know the light shines on the darkness. And the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it. And it is unreceptive to it. That's how powerful the light. Why? Because we just mentioned in him was life. The life, the word of God in Christ Jesus is the word, is the life, is the light which lighteth every man. Every man. And we're going to need that light in order to have the life that he promises us in eternal life. Going to have to have it. And we're also going to have to have it for this life that we live now and the things that we face right now. I told you about commitment. It's not enough to commit to the program, not enough to commit to the attendance. It's not enough to, to commit to every day or every Sunday on a regular basis just to attend church. Ask yourself, and I asked this before, what are you going for? Why are you there? And then soon as someone that we love or even we know lose their life, loved one, a child, family member, whomever it may be. And we begin to feel sad. And then we, be, be, then we begin to recognize who God really is. But what about when we're up and moving around doing well? How much do we acknowledge him? How much do we recognize him? 
How much do we recognize him for who he is? How much do we realize that he is a God that's just? And that he, he wants us, he wants us to have eternal life. But because he died for us to have a free will choice, the freedom to choose, so we can choose to live for him, or we can choose to live after the desires of our flesh and be destroyed. Which do you desire today? Don't you want to change? Aren't you tired of the addictions? Aren't you tired of the sufferings? Aren't you tired of the pain? People going to doctors, hospitals, to the kidney care. Legs are being amputated. Fungus and viruses and diabetes and high blood pressure mental illness, all these things that are happening today. And we say we believe God. We trust God. We're Christian and we trust him. But we're not, we're not seeing miracles being performed in our lives. They're changing ourselves personally. See, everyone needs to look in the mirror personally and evaluate themselves and see where, where they need to be affected by God's word and allow it to have its effect, that it comes to the point that it causes a change. A change. A change. A change. God's word came to convict for the guilt of sin. Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5. I mean, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. Power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You see, if the Holy Spirit is not operating in the concept or in the operation of God's word being utilized, spoken, and being preached and being taught, then there's not going to be a conviction and there's not going to be a change. Not going to be a change. Not going to be a change. But we're going to have to admonish and recognize that we need him to be able to do this. And in order to do this, we have to study God's word. We have to, we have to meditate on God's word. The psalmist one tells us this. He tells us this. What the one that desires in God's word. That's what the psalmist lets us know in Psalm 1. We're going to go there for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, I want to give you, I always like to give you the word of God, not my words, God's word. To let you know that his word is real. It's alive. We just, we just quoted it. It's alive and active. It's active. The psalmist in one, in book one, he said, blessed is the man. Blessed, fortunate, happening. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked 
or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Day and night. This is where God's word supposed to be in our lives, brothers and sisters. Day and night. It shouldn't be secondary to nothing else, but number one, top priority in our lives. Our children have a lot of questions. Young children have a lot of questions about who God is. But because a lot of us are not studying or not meditating on God's word or not allowing God's word to have an effect in our life, you can't give them an answer. And now they're having to pick up bits and pieces about who God is here and there from certain individual or others or one that maybe have time just for a few minutes just to give them a little taste of what it is or who he is. Or who he is. But the Bible lets us know we need God's word. It lets us know for God's word. Huh? God's word. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Every word. Every word out of the mouth of God. The mouth of God. But yet, we're going on. We're concerned about having a good time. That's fine in its appropriate time. But that shouldn't be the number one priority Concerned with having wealth, materialistic thing, careers, riches, money, all of that. It shouldn't be the number one priority. We have allowed the pleasures of this world and the scheduling of our lives to be consumed by trying to obtain material wealth and leaving Jesus out. When he said in the book of Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God and everything that it has to offer. Why are we seeking everything in this world what it has to offer when we're not going to stay here forever? When we're soon going to have to leave here, when we're not going to take any of it with us. Why? Because the adversary has us fooled, those of us that are being deceived by it when I use us. Hallelujah. You see, we're confused, lost. And here's what the Bible says I mentioned about the light. That in St. John, one that we read about, but in 1 John, Chapter 1, verse 9, he said, he said, anyone who claims to be in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. 
There is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. It's blinded him. It has blinded him. Verse 12 goes on to say, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on your account of his name. But I write to your father, to you, father, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the father. I write to you, fathers. Because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Notice he said in the word, in the word. It's going to take the word of God. going to take the word of God. But here's what I want you to look at. Whereas 15 here tells you something about it. I just mentioned about the world. First John 15 says, do not love the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Anything, anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Simple and plain. For everything, everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man and the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Lives forever. That's the word. That's the word. But God's word is powerful. Powerful and sharper. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It's alive. It's alive and active. And anytime you don't allow God's words to have its effect in your life. How many of you, you ought to ask yourself a question, how many of you have been going to church for years? Years. Years. And still haven't had that true change that you've been seeking after in your life. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with me. Be honest with yourself. How many? Living and active. You see, he wants to live in you. He can't live in you if you have the love of the world in you. This is what he's saying. That's when he says to live ye holy, for he is holy. What does holiness mean? Holiness means to live obedient to his word, with his word residing inside of you, with his spirit residing inside of you, with his spirit leading and guiding you. This is why it's important to be born again, converted from that natural man, mind, and all that you were born with to a new mind. 
Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed in Romans 12 by the renewness of your mind that you may prove what is that perfect will of God. What is it? What is it? Most of the time, people are lost. Most of the time, they're confused. Most of the time, they, they want to do it their way. And he, and he lets us know that a man ought not to think of himself than he ought to think. He doesn't know what he thinks he knows. He doesn't understand what he thinks he understands. And it's time. It's time for you to be honest with yourself. Huh? It's time for you to be honest with yourself. That's what he says in Romans 12. I'm going to read it to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. <laughs> Do you hear that? Then, See, he didn't just say attending church. See, he said, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Living sacrifice. Look what the next thing he said. He said, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, I actually said, what am I going to church for? What have I been going to church for? Have I been going for this reason? Have I been going to fulfill this verse of scripture and Bible? Or have I been just going out of routine? Have I been going because mom and them taught me to go to church, which is, which is what a good thing to do, a perfect thing to do. But in going, you're supposed to gain some knowledge and understanding. Once you gain that knowledge and understanding, now you are to act upon it. Now you are to allow the word of God to be part of its living and active activity in your life. I keep, I keep locking here. Do not be conformed to huh, any longer to the pattern of this world. To the pattern of this world. The pattern we should be fastening ourselves after is Jesus. Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. And he lets us know that what we were born with was a part of the world with our natural instinctive nature. Then he, say, he says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Through by what? That sinful nature of your mind that you were born with. That mind have to be changed. You can't just show, you can't just become a member of church and your mind haven't changed and you think you got a ticket to heaven or you think that you've been converted or you've been born again. No, just because you say it with your mouth and all that. I know what he said. If thou confess with a mind and believe in the heart, you shall be saved. Yes, you can. But then that's going to have to be a transformation also as well with all those things. That means to allow yourself to speak the word in your life, then to bring word in your life. It will cause the transformation in your life, will cause the change in your life, cause the transformation in your life from the old to the new that you will walk circumspectly in his will to be obedient to his word as he would have you to. Do not conform any longer. See, he see, he lets you know you've been living that way now, but now I want you to stop. 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Can't you see or can't we see that the pattern of this world is destroying itself and destroying one another? There's no love in that. There's no love in that pattern. There's just hate and bitterness and vengeance and rage, which is what we are witnessing right now. That's what we're witnessing. We're witnessing this hate, this rage, this bitterness. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, say everybody, renewing of your mind. Then, 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 then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verse 3, he tells them, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, this is a Paul addressing the Romans, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The measure of faith. Everyone, every person, every individual has been given a measure of faith how to live to trust God's word for in their lives. And unless that word becomes activated in your life that will activate the faith, or your faith will activate God's spirit in your life by believing to him combined in faith, the word, and combined with faith. We read that earlier. Combined with faith, and then after you combine it with faith, now you have to walk circumspectly in his will. That means you have to live obedient, holy, and accepted to him. Then you change your way of look, walk, talk, and everything, act, attitude, and all towards a new way. Because the Bible lets us know that a, 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 a person that has been changed, he is a new creature. New creature, that means he's a new individual, a new mindset, a new thought, a new walk, a new talk, a new attitude, a new belief, a new direction. Not a routine life. A changed life. 90% of people today are living a routine life. Routine life. Aren't you ready to change? Or do you want to change? Do you want to change? Do you want to live eternally with Jesus? The time has come. The time has come that we would make up our minds. Make up our minds. Make up our minds as to what we are going to do. What are we going to do, our young people destroying themselves? What are we going to do with this hatred, this bitterness? What are we going to do with this racism still alive? What are we going to do when revenge is taking over now? What are we going to do with this rage? Rage. Rage that have set up inside of human beings, people, brothers and sisters, and our children, and husbands and wives, young and old, 
Somebody is ready to snap because of something on the inside that they've been holding for a long time. And this is what's causing the murderings and the killings and the hatred and the bitterness. There's not, there's not no group or program or doctor or medicine or psychiatrist or rehab that's, that will fix this. And all those resources are good to start, to move in the directives of admitting what the problem is. But they are not the final answer. The final answer, the final activation that needed need to be done is by the power and in the name of Jesus. And until it's done that way, until we believe it like that, until we trust it like that, until we go about it like that, we're going to continue to have and see what we are seeing right now. In the last days, in the last days, that's what the Bible says, in the last days, perilous times, chaotic times, wicked times, hallelujah, wicked times, it's going to come, difficult times, but understand this, that's in 2 Timothy 3 and 1. You read that whole chapter. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self. Self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, which is impaled by greed, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. Man, it's sad that people, brothers and sisters, I've heard people, man, they can't even hold a conversation without every foul thing come out of their mouths. Can't have a decent conversation, not even with their own parents. Without It's so much disrespect and dishonor in the world today. No wonder the chaos is here. It's here. The devil has done his job in deceiving people and causing them to be lost and confused. And he's still doing it if they continue to allow it. Profane and they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection. Devoid. Don't care about natural human affection anymore. 
Goliath and inhumane. Irreconcilable. Can't even come together on, on no agreement at all. Malicious gossips. Devoid of self-control. Just blow up. That's what, we, that's what we're seeing right there. That's the main thing. Devoid of self-control. Just blow up. Intemperate. Immoral. Brutals and, 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 and haters of good. Though they're trying to do good, they hate them. Like they did something wrong. Like when you talk about doing what's right, people like you cursing. Or don't curse them out. If it's if it's it just makes sense to be respectful, or it makes sense to listen to someone. Haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God. And finally, holding to a form of outward godliness, which is religion, although they have denied its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. It, it just kills it. Avoid such people and keep away from them. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you today. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We bless your name right now. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. But one thing we know, you are holy. You're holy, Lord. So, Lord, we praise you today for this opportunity. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for what you will continue to do because of your love, your grace, and mercy. We ask that your word touch somebody today, and we pray that it touch someone. It's convinced, it convicted someone within themselves that they look in the mirror and see what they need to do to change their lives. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for this opportunity. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you thanksgiving. Father, we're praying for our young men, our young people our children, our parents, and officials. Father, we thank you. Turn them around. Turn them around in your word. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you, and may the peace of God be with you. Say love.